podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. To a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by Colin Watt. How you doing, Colin? That top is looking cracking. I really like it. Um, I'm doing good, mate. How's yourself? I'm good. We spoke last week about it. We thought that maybe the, uh, you know, the tricolour would have been nice on the the three stripes. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that, or are you quite yeah. happy with the way it is? Yeah, no, I think there's it's a it's a nice kit. It's, well, I mean, you need to discuss whether it's is worth the club bringing a fourth kit out. I think. I mean. We understand the, the relevance of it, but at this time during a sort of cost of living crisis, it's uh, maybe a bit unaffordable for for a lot of people. But um, yeah, all in all, generally it's a nice kit. If we'd released it as maybe a third kit this season, I'm sure it went down really well. It is. I mean, if you're looking at the aesthetics of it, it's a winner. We had a chat a couple of weeks ago about um, you know whether or not we should be releasing four kits a year. And then Lloyd comes in on Friday uh, and he also bought the two goalie strips. So he's bought six jerseys this season, which is just uh, taking it to another. You can't hide money, Paul, can you? You can't hide money. I, I wouldn't know. I certainly would not know. We're keen to get everybody's thoughts on the last 40 hours in the world of Celtic. We, of course, covered the game 3-1 against Tibbs. It was a bit of a slog calling on Saturday. You were at the game. What was your thoughts overall, mate? Yeah, I mean, wasn't one of our best performances this season, but um, the the fact that we changed it up a bit, we went sort of with the two up front towards the end, um, all showing us his power. But, you know, sometimes that's the way things go when you're playing against 10 men. Um, either you take control of the game like we did against St Mirren, um, or you find out that they put 10 behind the ball and it becomes very difficult to to break through, especially when they're slowing the game down and trying to stop start it and really disrupting our flow. So, um, yeah, impressed that we got the, the three points. At this stage of the season, that's the most important thing. It's it's three points. Um, the gap remains at nine and we continue to keep this juggernaut, as it's been called, going. Who called it that? Oh, it was, uh, I don't know, I think I heard it on the radio on Saturday. The, the Celtic juggernaut continues. We, call, we called it a juggernaut on Thursday, so we'll take credit for that, all right? Um, yeah, good point, and I think this uh, leads a lot of the chat that we're going to have today from Jungle Lion. Welcome back to the show. You're commenting on YouTube and getting it from all angles. Even this morning, Tavernier saying that they're going to, what they're going to do in April, they never learn. Well, that is the whole focus of the tagline. Ange Postacoglu continues to focus on the football and this, all this noise that's coming in from the media and it's coming in from players and it's coming in from other managers. We spoke about that last week, Colin, in relation to people like Derek McInnes, bitter wee guys that are managing other, <laughs> other teams in the league. Robbie Nielsen, who I've heard is going over to Turkey to sort out his barnet this week, and Michael Beale. These people have named Ange Postacoglu Right, 
for no other reason. I mean, we're talking about decapitations at Celtic Park. We're talking about um, Andrew Postecoglou moaning about VAR and Michael Beale calling him a lucky man. And what does Ange say? He comes back and he talks about Celtic. He doesn't talk about these types of distractions. Um, it looks as though he's got them all on toast, Colin. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. See, when you're top of the pedestal, if you're king of the ring, everyone wants to come and try and knock you off the top. And unfortunately for the rest of the teams, not for us, obviously, because we're loving watching this at the minute, but no one is able to come and knock us off that pedestal. We are continuing as this juggernaut, as we, we say, uh, carries on throughout the season. You take a look at our performances this year. We've only lost one game in the league. That is outstanding. We're on course to set the record amount of goals, <laughs> record amount of points. All in all, I think it's coming up for... What, well over, I don't know, two and a bit years since we last lost at home um, in the league. And I, I think, as the old saying goes, if you, you swing for the king, you better not miss. And a lot of these ones are just throwing nameless jabs and overhand rights. And, and they're trying to they're trying to hurt Ange. And is just sort of, he's Tyson Fury. He's ducking and diving and dodging them all. And he just continues going. The man knows what he's doing. He's been here long enough. He's been in football long enough and the fact that he's getting on top of all of these um, so-called managers and pundits, that's it's enlightening to see because it just shows how dominant we actually are. He's getting under the skin, uh, Colin. Here's some of the quotes, right? You hear Ange Postecoglou and whoever talking and almost scoffing at VAR as if they get nothing. That came from Derek McInnes. You need decapitation to get a red card that Celtic says Robbie Nielsen. Ange is a lucky man because he spent a lot of money, says Michael Beale. And all I've heard Dan saying is you are either aspirational or not, which is basically saying to them, listen, look after your own backyard, be better, be successful, be a winner, be positive, um, because that's what Ange does. He just gets on with his own job, Colin. He doesn't really look over his shoulder, does he? he he's told his players there to focus on the football. We'll talk about that, because at half-time, there was a lot of other things going on in that game, um, and we had to focus on the football. That's what Ange does. Yeah, do you know, I think if the manager spent half as much time working on their training, working on their tactics, and working with their players, they wouldn't get people like Lauren Shankland coming out at the weekend and saying... They didn't understand what the game plan was at the weekend. Did they he wouldn't say that? get that's what he came out and said. They wouldn't nah, get um they wouldn't get guys like Tavernier and Sakala coming out and throwing shots when they're so far behind mm. and probably need a bit of work on themselves. Uh you wouldn't get Kilmarnock having a situation where a player and the manager come to certain blows and have to be released halfway through a season when he's their key player. These, I mean, these people, as Ange says, have a lot of problems in their own backyard. Instead of working on that and putting the best product they can, they're just throwing the sort of victim card out and saying, it's all Celtic's fault. It's all Celtic's fault for what? Being the best team in Scotland? Well, Colin, you're, you're right. But we've seen it in life. You know, people like to talk about other people uh, doing well or other businesses doing well, where really you should just focus on doing well yourself. 
you know, and, and being that person and being positive and, and uh, progressing and evolving. And I think Ange Postacoglu does it naturally because it's it is his mantra. It's it's part of him. It's in built. Um, but I mean, he's coming to a scenario and a situation in Scotland where he's getting it from other managers. He's getting it from other players. He's definitely getting it from the media. He's had that from day one. And the fact that uh, we are now successful under Ange, and not only just successful, Colin, we're building constantly. We'll get on to the Abada story at some point during the next 50 minutes. But we're we're building and we're contingency planning and we're succession planning. Everything's in place. Like if we lose this player, this is what we're going to do. Um, and that's because Andrew's concentrating on himself. I wouldn't normally mention this, um, but over the weekend, a couple of people mentioned it on the socials in relation to the coverage of Celtic on uh, BBC Sports Scene. And the coverage being really kind of biased, um, unbalanced, Colin. This is the kind of thing he's getting. Celtic follower comes in. See, they're back in the Abada story again. They're so desperate to break up our team. Kyogo, Abada, Maeda, Carter Vickers, etc. It's pathetic. Desperation. And we are getting it from all angles at the moment, aren't we? Particularly from the media. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else we should come to expect. I think everybody here that's watching... They watch this for a reason. Uh, they don't want a mainstream media view on how things are going because people are fed up with mainstream media. The, the growth of fan media across not just Celtic, but Scottish football, UK football, world football even. Um, more fans are turning to the likes of Axom and others to, to get a fan's point of view because they know that there is a agenda that has to be Put towards, and we've seen it. We, we've spoke to certain people that used to be on here and that have written or um, done pieces for mainstream media. I've actually done it myself, um, and we've we've noticed that if you fit the agenda that they want to publish, you'll get published, and if not, it will not go on. So these people need to sell newspapers. These people need to get clicks on their website um, just to get people enraged almost mm-hmm. to reply back to them. So, look, this is a, a common thing now, an absolutely common thing. Um, and people are really opening up their eyes to it. And that's why we see the growth of fan media, because they're sick of the narrative that's been run. Back in the day, you would maybe drive past a, a news agent and there would be one of the billboards outside, you know, with a headline on it. Colin, that, that was their headline, right? And that was to try and entice you into the shop to buy the newspaper. Yeah. You would get people walking about with sandwich boards on. The end is now, you know, the, the shock value of that. And at the time, because it was such a massive industry, I mean, at one point, the Daily Record sold a million copies a day. And, I mean, Scotland's population is only five or six times that over yeah. the piece, right? And they were selling that amount of copies every single day. You could not compete with that if you were a small independent fanzine, for example, which was obviously the paper production that fans were working on back in the day. That was the um, the fan media of its time back in the 80s and the 90s. And some of the Celtic ones still print to this day, which is fantastic. When it kind of flipped, though, Colin, with the, the drop in circulation of newspapers, um, the fans were at the forefront. We were actually ahead of the curve. I don't mean me and you, because other, you know, fan platforms are here before us. They were at the, they were ahead of the curve. So there's a bit of catch up getting made here now by the mainstream, 
who have obviously jumped on what we are doing just now, that various uh, outlets are doing exactly the same. Um, and obviously online with the clickbait headlines, that's now their poster boards that used to be outside retailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to entice people in to read their story. And once they get into that website, um, they're getting clicks, which means that the ad revenue starts flowing in. They've got to do it some way. But I think people are, have got wise to it, Colin, over the piece, yeah. over the time. They've got wise to it. Um, and they want they want the truth. That's what they want. They want a bit of balance. You know, It's as simple as that. And by the way, often uh, what you get on fan media can can be imbalanced as well. But I think it's it's honest and it's truthful and that's what people are looking for. So, yeah, you had them sussed out pretty early on, but it continues to happen. And another thing as well, when you look at Celtic and what Ange's building, it's, you, you gave a few stats earlier on, Colin. It's pretty special mm-hmm. uh, what, what he is building. Why can't we embrace that? as Scottish media, let's say, or, or Scottish football, why can't we embrace the fact that we've got a forward-thinking guy in, a, in, the, in the game, in the Scottish game, who's trying to create something that could make inroads in Europe? Why not embrace it? Why, why constantly try to criticise it or split the team up? Because I think this is always retrospective. Like, in the here and now, they don't fully realise the importance of what's actually going on. You, t- you take, I think, back to the Invincible treble season. There was all this talk about how long will this run go on and match by match as, they, as the results getting worse, is, is there any chance that Celtic could drop out of one of these trophies? And then you know what happens the day after the the Invincible treble, after um, Tom Rodgick gives us that incredible moment, every single newspaper's got a 15-page pullout on let's look back at the Invincible treble. They, they, they want to run the narrative when it suits them when they think it's actually going to mm. get newspapers. So yeah. right now, we're in a position where Celtic are nine points clear. They've got a goal difference of plus 27 on their nearest rivals. Um, there's only two Glasgow derbies left. They're on a position now where, unless they have a very poor day, it doesn't look as if they're going to drop any points. So what can you what can you write about? oh, well, Abada's got three years left on his contract, but some guy in Israel that used to be his owner has now come out and said he wants to go to the English Premier League. I don't ever remember the guys like Dermot Desmond saying that Kieran Tierney wanted to go to Real Madrid or anything along those lines. So they're really looking for something that is different and is out there and is trying to buy clicks. But at the same time, what I mean... If a badder wants to go in the summer, a badder can go in the summer. We'll talk about it, but you've said something, Colin. You've said something that's really interesting there. The story that's ran is basically, if you want to flip that to a Celtic perspective, is basically Dermot Desmond saying that, oh, I chatted to Kieran there and he says he wants to leave Arsenal for Real Madrid in the summer. That's exactly what the story is. That's the story that's been run. I know. I know, it would, it would be scoffed at. Make the back pages. It would be scoffed at. No, but you're right, that, that is the extent that they're going to, to try and um, unsettle what, what Ange is building. And we know that no one has uh, appeared in more games under Ange than uh, Leo Labada. Um, obviously, I think half of them have been starts, but we get all that kind of thing. But he's a young player. He's been bedding in. And by the way, with regards to starts against, you know, impact made as a sub, that's another conversation that we're going to have when we're speaking about Abada and um, Haksabanovic as well. Paul Byrne, um, are we just doing our own bulletin today? Well, Paul, my dear friend Colin, um, is jumping off 
work to come on the bullet and then jumping back onto work. So it was a wee bit ticked, as they say. Uh, but we did get there. It still said twelve thirty on my phone, Colin. So I think we were on yeah. time. I think we're on just about, just about. We, We'll give you 14 minutes injury time at some point next week. Um, <laughs> Celtic follower, still no news on the full extent of Atati's um, injury. But for me, uh, and we'll talk about this as well, I think the international break's come at a good time for Celtic in that respect. Pat Dolan, Abada, who cares? He goes, we get a good fee. That's good asset management. Better than letting players' contracts run down. Have we missed JJ or, and or GG? He thinks not onwards, right? That leads us nicely on to Abada then. Let's have a wee chat about Abada, right? So he's come in as a 19-year-old and made an incredible impact when you when you consider the age of the boy, Colin. And I keep saying that, you know, had we uh, promoted someone from the academy, uh, stroke beating, into the first team and he made that impact at that age, we'd have been talking about him as some kind of um, super kid, wonder kid, uh, golden yeah. balls kind of player. Uh, but Abada, I don't think we take him for granted, but... Um, obviously, this rumour has broken in the media over the weekend in relation to the claims that he wants to go and play down south. Listen, right, anybody in the comments section, anybody on Axon probably could have concocted that story mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we sell that dream. We sell that mm-hmm. dream to young players coming to Celtic anyway, Colin. So they're not telling us anything new. But like you say, we're in control of the situation here. And if Ange Postacoglu looks at the player and thinks, right, Somebody's interested in paying X amount from that league. That's going to benefit my continual building of what I'm trying to build here at Celtic. Then it's not a case I think of who cares, but you're confident enough that Ange can sort it if indeed Abada does leave in the summer. Yeah, and I, I mean, in terms of if you look at it from Abada's point of view, obviously the enticement of been down south the ridiculous wages that would be on offer, the chance to showcase your skills on uh, such a high level, it would be um, something that would um, really be on his mind that he could go down there and do that. And what kind of team would he go to just now? I don't really know where he would fit in. Um, I, I don't know, but I'm sure there would be teams that would offer Celtic some good money for him. As I say, he's got three years left on his deal. For me, I think his development still has to come on a bit. Mm. I still think he's very inconsistent. There's times where he's completely unplayable, like St Mirren away, and then there's other times where he sort of drifts in and out of games. And um, The fact is, as you say, he's still 21, still 21, 22. Um, he's had a lot going on personally. Um, that seems to have calmed down now. He's concentrating on his football. He's getting into the Israeli national team. He's playing pretty well when he comes off the bench I, I still think another season or two Abada needs of playing regular consistent football before he hits the, the ability that he's got because the potential's definitely there, it's just that we don't see it enough from him, um, especially when he starts games, you see in the big games, maybe the Glasgow derbies, how he's played really well but there's other games where after five minutes you can tell whether he's going to have a good game or a poor game that's true. Um, and it is interesting that it comes on and makes the impact from the bench. And uh, listen, that's all fair and well. But I think that over the piece, you do want a starter. You want a starter out of Lil Bada. Um, and we will obviously talk about some of the other guys that came on. Uh, before we do that, let's talk about some of the decisions, Colin, um, at the weekend as well. Daniel F. Uh, is talking about Hatati. He walked off the park fine. I think it was precautionary and will be okay for the derby. I agree with you, Urban. We still have 
too much for them. And um, there's more coming from K. Matsu on Hatate. Tweaked his hamstring according to Japanese news sources. Came off to avoid, avoid aggravating it. Should be fine after the break. Right. So there was a few decisions made uh, in relation to the game. Um, and I do think that it hampered Celtic. You mentioned there about Hibs going down to 10 men. Mm-hmm. I think that what happened there partly is that Hibs changed the game plan because they have to. I mean, this is a team Colin, that came to Celtic Park earlier this season and got annihilated 6-1, right? Mm-hmm. So if they were going to be playing open, expansive football with 11 men, they certainly weren't going to be doing it with 10. So mm-hmm. it's been a backs-to-the-wall performance. I understand that. They don't, they don't want a mauling, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think it completely changed the game because obviously Celtic then were up against that that wall of black jerseys for virtually the entire game. Yeah. Um, so Again, I, I totally appreciate why a team would do that. Nobody wants beat five, six, seven, nil. Celtic have beaten uh, Dundee United nine nil this season. You know that's mm-hmm. what we can do to teams. So I get that. However, some of the decisions as well um, in relation to that. Let's talk about the Hibs sending off that, that obviously got them reduced to the ten men. What was your thoughts on that? The first one's a, a yellow card every day of the week. He catches. Um, I can't remember who it is. I think it's Starfield. He catches Starfield. From quite, yeah. mm-hmm. quite sort of high up on the ankle. So. He's late. It's a typical striker's challenge, but that is a yellow card. Um, the second one, I can understand both sides of it. Um, there was a bit of wrestling between the two of them. Cameron Carter-Vickers sort of powers him to win the ball. At the time, looking at it, I thought uh, Carter-Vickers was the only one really trying to win that ball. When you see it slowed down, his foot is at high. I mean, it depends how what you class as high. Depends how tall you are, if you class that as high. I mean, certain people would say that's very high. Uh, again, anybody you're thinking about? I don't want to name anybody. Maybe we Sean Maloney. He'd have said that was really high. Um, but, I mean, obviously... Martin O'Neill, Martin O'Neill was saying that, that Brian had a, a bit of the old Sean Maloney about him in terms of his height. Aye? He did, aye. Oh, he, well, was, well. he was winding Brian up the other week. I don't <laughs> think Brian minded it. I think Martin O'Neill could have said anything to Brian and he would have taken it. On the chin. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're in the, the presence of a legend, then uh, what, are you, what are you exactly going to say back to him? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. He just laughs. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a connection with a foot in the head. It's I can understand if if it was if he wasn't on a yellow, it's it's a yellow. So in that sense, two yellows, it's a red. It's unfortunate for Hibs. Um, I thought the kind of didn't get the best start to the game. Celtic pinned them in quite well. Probably should have taken the lead before they did. Uh, and then you've got to change the whole game plan when you go down to 10. Obviously, they just went with the, the 10 behind the ball and eventually uh, sometimes Campbell would get up and their target was really using the, the long throw-ins and they tried that several times throughout the game. But yeah, mm. I would say overall, on the basis, it probably was a red card. Yeah, okay. Uh, we had Sean on, who obviously is a, a referee in his own right, uh, at a different level over in Australia. He was talking about the fact that it was a situation that he was it was real borderline stuff, Colin, yeah. because it could bizarrely have ended up in a yellow card for Carter Vickers um, in that in that gate in that situation. Uh, thankfully, the ref has gone the other way on it, uh, but it did change the game um, and, and the dynamic of the game rather. And I think also the Hibs penalty. I just can't stand up for Carl Staffel. I can't understand no. what he's trying to do. Last week we were talking, by the way, I stand up for Staffel all the time. I actually do think in terms of his defensive qualities that he is a, a, 
you know, a very good player for us. Um, but I'm not, I watched that one back. Not only is he tugged him, he's kept the hold of the jersey for a prolonged period of time. Then he shoved the guy <laughs> just to make sure the penalty was conceded. And I'm thinking, what are you thinking about there? I think it's a change in dynamic in the way that defenders defend to an extent. Um, for years and years, you would get away with the holding the jerseys in the box during corners and throw-ins and stuff like that. And now it's been clamped down on quite a lot. Um, you can get away with the, the slightest of tugs, or maybe you can't, depending on who you play for. Um, but Starfelt was basically kind of not giving him any chance to move, and as you say, that sort of wee final push. But the thing for me is the referee's kind of watching that, and he's not seen it either. Some would say his view wasn't the best, but I mean, he's got an overall general view of what's going on. And then it's that delay, because for me in the stadium, I was thinking that the penalty was given for whatever had happened in the box when Campbell is through and he's got three Celtic players around him um, and Joe Hart comes out to gather the ball. Mm-hmm. For me, that's what I thought the penalty was given for, because you don't know. You don't know when you're sat there. And that's how's, it affect, how's it affecting the fan experience for you, Colin? Well, the, I mean, the fans in the stadium at the time are going, like, what the hell? I mean, there's nothing there to tell the fans what's been looked at or what the potential was going on. All you know is the referee's got his hand to his ear like that and you're thinking, this could be absolutely anything that's about mm. to be given. Mm-hmm. Um, that has to change. That totally has to change because I think if fans would have seen the replay, maybe not everybody would have agreed with it, but others would have said, right, okay, you can understand why that's given. But that led to a really horrible atmosphere for a couple of minutes, to be perfectly honest, that carried on right up until maybe about half time. Mm -hmm. And it was disappointing to hear it from some fans because they turned their frustration on the referee onto onto the players and encouraging players to shoot from 35, 40 yards when you're only one goal down. We don't need that. We, I mean, if anybody's watched Ange play, uh, put his team out over the last nearly two years, we are a, a patient build-up team and we'll create the chances from it. So you're but, telling me, Colin, that you miss Ryan Christie shooting from 40 yards? You oh, no, no, I don't. Certain people that were in my <laughs> section certainly did, though. Um, but yeah, I mean... The ref, if we could just either you hear what they're looking at or you see it or whatever it is, because nobody has any idea at the time what that was being given for. I know, and it is affecting the fan experience, which we'll come back on to in terms of fan experience with regards to ticket allocations later on in the show. Um, what I found quite interesting, though, obviously there was deliberate time wasting, there was... Um, attempts to stop the flow of the Celtics game because when Celtic are in full flow then they're very hard team to uh, to play against, never mind beat um, and compete against. And, you know, we, we had a, a good conversation over the weekend in relation to what do you do with that? So you've got a situation when you're going into the 90th minute and um, then Hibs would do anything to buy that time back that they've wasted, mm. if you know what I mean. Uh, but that might not have been the case. We could have been sitting at one each Colin, you know, um, and or even one down, and you know the time wasting element of that. Peter Grant suggested on the commentary that you know it should only benefit the team that's that's trying to get a draw or a win. 
Um, so if you if you're winning the game and you're responsible for the time wasting, you know it goes so that the team gets an opportunity to try and win the game back. Um, I don't think there's any management, but 14 minutes. The the issue with that is you know there's people who are told, particularly a lot of our Irish fan base, get on that bus at such and such a time because we can't miss the boat back over to Ireland. Um, so they're having to leave, and and so it's affecting their experience as well, Colin. The thing is, I mean, obviously 15 minutes is probably the longest added time we've had at Celtic Park probably ever, and unless there was maybe a serious injury before that, I can't really think of off the top of my head. But 15 minutes for the whole game was, I mean, it is quite excessive, but at the end of the day, you are playing a 90-minute game of football. So there's two ways to deal with this. We either continue to do this and we play all the added time because, let's be honest, when you're playing a team like Celtic and you look at the fact that we can bring on the players that we brought on on Saturday, if you're playing with 10 men against that and you're killing time, you've got to then face another 15 minutes of a rampant Celtic side. Mm. Extremely fit, extremely attack-minded, and you're absolutely knackered because you're slowing the game down to try and get yourself a breather. You're trying to get yourself back into it because you've been under the attack for so long. Yeah, I mean, it's excessive at times, but it's a tactic that's been employed by employed by a lot of people. So you want to see the 90 minutes of Celtic, and you've seen time and time again that Celtic score late goals in the 91st minute, 93rd minute, 95th. We scored a couple, I think, was it at Dingwall maybe? It went from 2-0 to 4-0 or something in the space of a couple of minutes. You want to see that because I can guarantee you that if it ever came down to goal difference and we lost out by a goal or two like we have done in years before, the first thing it would be said is, well, we're not getting refereed properly. There was that game where we never added on the seven minutes that this team wasted or that team wasted. Is that the case? Sorry. Is it a case Colin is getting better and getting more efficient with VAR? Making the decisions quicker so that that time isn't added to the end of the half? Even, I don't think VAR took that long at the weekend. I've seen it taking longer. Um, I think the other option that you can look at, and I know that it's something that Arsene Wenger has spoken about, is I think it's two 35-minute halves, but every time the ball goes out, the, the play stops so that you're continuously playing, because on average, I think it's something like there's only ever 68 minutes of a game where the ball was actually on the pitch or it's actually in play. Mm. It's, a, it's a big study that um, has been done by FIFA, and Arsene Wenger is part of that. Um, so I've not got the, the figures to hand, but I know it's something like that out there. And they do it in other sports. They do it at rugby, ice hockey. Um, they do it at other sports where you actually get the full time that's set aside for that game because every time there's a stoppage the clock stops mm. so instead of there being 90 minutes plus another 15 your 15 intervals you're talking well over two hours of football then you maybe look at the, the change of how long the game plays for and you actually just stop it and you get the exact same amount of football and you can't waste time because there's no time to waste that would involve some forward thinking that in Scottish football is um, very rare. 
Colin. But yeah, if Arsene Wenger is, is looked into it, he is a, a visionary. So absolutely, it probably would improve the situation. Focus on the football, says Ange. Because at the end of the day, Colin, if we focus on the football, nobody's going to beat us. Nobody will beat us at no. football. You can have all the shenanigans and all the dark arts and throwing balls on from the manager and all that carry on. But, you know, when you when you focus on the football, we'll beat you domestically. That, that That's the message. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, was it Jock Steen that says... Doesn't matter who the referee is, as long as we're good enough, we'll beat the team that's put in front of us. So that's the kind of standard, and we are now setting that standard. How many times did we used to hear before? Well, if it wasn't for this and if it wasn't for that, we'd have got the victory. There's no excuses now with Celtic. It doesn't matter if we drop points, if we win games. It's all about what we do on the park, and mm-hmm. that's encouraging to see because we're always trying to better ourselves. Definitely. And we want to talk about some of the performances on the park, and we'll do that in just a second. But before we do that, what age are you again, Colin? 29? 29. 29. Well, you were nine years old when Celtic beat Liverpool 2-0. 20 years ago today, yep. right? It was 20 years ago today we could start a wee song up from a Liverpool band that we beat Liverpool. And, uh, of course, Alan Thompson and John Hartson got the goals, a famous victory on our road to Seville. Um we are going to be uh, speaking to Tomo live and John Hartson the following night, next month, two separate nights, the boys from Seville. Um, Alan Thompson's coming to Gracie's, John Hartson's coming to Barra's Art and Design, and there are still some tickets available. So if you want to come along um, and support Axom and see two of the legends of that era, tickets are underneath the video. Click on the ticket links there. Give us a wee thumbs up while you're at it, and subscribe to the channel if you want to win this Ange-inspired Celtic, Shamrock, retro Adidas jersey. Um, so with regards to that, that was 20 years ago. We obviously got to the final. It was very disappointing. And very recently asked Martin O'Neill um, if John Hartson would have made any difference in the final. O'Neill absolutely said Big John would have made a difference in the final for us, a positive difference. What are our aspirations now in terms of Europe, Colin? We keep talking about it next season. What are our aspirations in European football? Just before we go into that, going back to that, I would argue that that was probably our best performance on the road to Seville that night. Um, Tomo's free kick and then obviously Big Hartson with the the thunderbolt past Dudek. And Liverpool weren't a bad side at that time. You'd look at them, they not long won the UEFA Cup. They were doing pretty well. Um, So there was definitely a a few uh, Lonely Hearts Club bands broken that night. when Celtic came away with the victory. But yeah, aspirations for next season. Well, if we continue to go the way we're going and we don't um, throw this away just now, I would definitely say that, well, it's a given. We're in the the Champions League group stages for next season. Um, If we got the same group we got this year, Mm. I would hope we could get third. and I think the most important thing for Celtic next season is to continue what Ange is doing at home and turning Celtic into a fortress. Mm. Um, you think back to the the nights under the, as you just mentioned, Martin and Eel. Yeah. When we had Juventus, uh, we had Porto, we had all those big teams that came to Celtic Park and feared coming to Celtic Park because of the atmosphere that was generated from the stands and from the type of football that we were putting out. And if you look back at that first, what, 30, 35 minutes against Real Madrid, that's what we can do at the very top of our game. 
I mean, if you take those chances, we could have easily been two, three goals up in that game. Yeah. So I would, I would extend that and just say the first half. Yeah. First half of that game, and Abada being one of the the guys where there was a chance, and I think, you know, he got a wee bit kind of starstruck when the, when he had that opportunity yeah. to run at the 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 goal. He obviously had Callum McGregor striking the post mm-hmm. first. Five minutes of the second half, I think you had yeah. uh, Maeda's chance. So no, you're spot on. You're spot on, and I, I am ever the optimist. I always talk about, it and I'm not. This isn't me leading it up to say we're going to win the Champions League here. I spoke to a lot of the the old school Celtic fans, Colin, who in 1964 would never have guessed what we were about to embark on three years mm-hmm. later. You know, they would never have guessed that. So um, what it takes is it takes a man to come in uh, with a vision, and I think Andrew's got that, and then being able to implement it, that, that's a huge bit. Because we've had we've had managers who've come in with a philosophy and a vision before. We yeah. spoke about football utopia under Tony Mowbray. Have a look at the, his uh, interview when he first got the job. Have a listen to John Barnes' interview, Ronnie Dyler's interview. Uh, these guys had philosophies, Colin. That, that's only part of it implementing it and making sure that you can actually execute it is a completely different matter. It's up to how much the team and the, the club actually buys into it as well. You take a look at Ronnie Dyler. I think if you'd given Ronnie Dyler the team that we've got right now, he would be pretty successful. I do rate Ronnie Dyler as a manager. I think he was ahead of his time on things like the sport and science aspect, especially when you listen to the players that played under him and what they actually think of him now that they've left the club. They actually look back and some of them have regrets on how they played for him and the, the way that they reacted to him. So you just imagine what it would have been like if he'd got a couple more years and actually got the backing. Because when you look at it, we didn't actually back him as a team. When, what do you mean? Joe, Joe Ingerberget was one of Ronnie's signings, was it not? <laughs> and he came back fair, to haunt us, by the way. Exactly. And then you take a look at, we had to sign guys like Colin Kazim Richards and Carlton Cole. You would never give that sort of budget to someone like Ange Postacoglu now. So but I have a theory on that. I have a theory on Ronnie. I think he was a coach. You, you know, I think if he had a manager, Colin, and he he wasn't the focal point of of that setup, I think he would have thrived mm-hmm. if he was if he was the head coach. And but he had a manager. Um, now, by the way, we know that his kind of second in command was John Collins at the time. I don't know how well that would have been received by the Celtic fans had he been that manager. But I, I just felt he was a guy that could develop young talent. He could spot young talent. Um, was he good at recruitment? Probably not, you know. But he was a coach and he could develop players. I just felt that we got that a wee bit wrong. We got the makeup of that that partnership a wee bit wrong. Yeah, well, it was always meant to be that he was going to come in as number two to Roy Keane. Yeah. Um, that might have worked. It might, it might have worked. It, it might have worked. worked. Um, but yeah, I do think the the style of football he was trying to implement, you see, I mean, he was the first manager to sort of break away from the fact that we played two up front because right from, what, way back in the 90s, maybe even earlier than that, it'd always been two up front. Mm. And then we went with the one. We went with the, the four two three one because that's the way football was changing. And every manager that we've put in so far since then has went with some sort of variation on that four-two-three-one, with the exception of maybe that time when Lennon went with the two up front with Griffiths and Edward. It's How many times? Been, yeah. How many times did you hear somebody shouting to get a second striker on during the Rory Dyler? Yeah. Era? You're right. 
Yeah, I, I do think he was forward thinking. I mean, Martin Odegaard was given his debut by Ronnie. I remember a, a Norwegian game was on one night and Chris Iyer was playing, so I had an interest in the game. And when I looked through the squad, there was an incredible amount of players in that 16-man squad that, that Ronnie Dyla had given their debuts to, mm-hmm. Colin. You know, and, and with previous clubs and with Celtic as well. So, no, I did, I did rate him highly. I really did. But we're going to talk about some of the performances at the weekend. There was quite a lot of stick for David Turnbull, right? I don't know if you got a chance to watch the post match. At halftime, Turnbull was getting, I'm not going to say dogs abuse. It wasn't that bad. He was basically getting a lot of comments coming in, Colin, saying that he's not good enough. We need to get rid of him. By the end of the game, he's contributed sufficiently. I, I, I felt two assists mm-hmm. in the game. Um, I thought he had a much better second half and he showed what he can do. Um, but there's a few comments coming in, so let's have a look at them. Derek Smith uh, likes David Turnbull, but does uh, think that he needs to move on. Doesn't look like there's a place for him. And the urban culture also comes in. I think Turnbull and Forrest will go along with the badder in the summer. Where are you with uh, David Turnbull? And, and how impressed or otherwise were you by his performance on Saturday? I think David Turnbull has a part to play in this team. Um, you can't go against what he has contributed. I do think he's probably not as good as the players that are in front of him, but he is still young and he still can develop. I do think the fact that he doesn't have a lot of pace is part of the problem in here. Mm. Because when you look back at when... He had that great season and during the behind closed doors season um, when he was scoring the goals and he was having the assists, it wasn't necessarily a quick midfield and he was able to sort of play to the strengths. Um, excuse me. But now you look at Moy, uh, you look at McGregor, you look at Hatati, you look at O'Reilly, um, they are probably just better players and it's either going to go one way or the other for Turnbull. It's either going to be something that he learns from and develops himself because they always say you get better when there's better players around you um, or it's just going to stagnate. And I hope he doesn't stagnate because I do think there is a, a good player in there. Um, and when you look at it, we do have to have Scottish players on this side, mm-hmm. not just for um, the likes of people saying, well, they, they understand the, the big game mentality, but in terms of Europe, we're speaking about Europe there and going forward in Europe. It's a, it's a requirement that you've got to have a certain amount of homegrown players in the, the squad. So we do have to look for that Scottish talent that we can give the opportunities to. Because oh, right. they, um, you take a look at it, they, they do have to... You can't just throw them into a squad and just say, right, we'll just put eight youngsters in there. Because you may have to thunt him at one point. No, you're right. Because remember some of the early European games under Ange Collin? You looked at the squad yeah. and, you know, if you were covering the game, you had to dip into the Celtic B team to find out who the player was, find out what age he was and what position he played. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't want to be in a situation like that in Europe. You're absolutely spot on when you say that. I think um, David Turnbull is in a situation at the moment where, as a Celtic fan, I would love to keep him because I think he does provide something. But I don't see him being one of the guys that starts 30 or 40 games for Ange. I really don't. I think he, he did in his first campaign uh, under Ange Postacoglu. And I remember, I just think we've, we've brought in players that are better suited to Ange's system since that period, which was up to the League Cup final last season, Colin. Mm-hmm. Since then, every midfielder we brought in, maybe barring um, Ediguchi, 
has probably fitted in better to Angie's system, uh, which is understandable because Angie's, you know, he's identifying and purchasing the players. So that's that's fine. But as a legacy play, player who was there when Angie arrived, I thought there was a part for David Turnbull to play. And I think when he's come on as a sub this season, he has played a part. He's yeah, contributed to assists and goals. Yeah, his impact's been very, very good. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the thing is, when you look at it, and we were talking about this with Abada earlier on, um, Abada's played, what, 95 times for Celtic since Hans Bostokoglu came in. And there was a top 10 list of players who have played the most amount of games since Hans came in. Mm-hmm. And David Turnbull's number seven on that list. So it's it's clear that Ange sees him as part of his squad. Yeah. And look, there's only 11 players that can go in the park. Ten of them are outfielders. So when you've got a squad of this size, it, it can be very difficult to get an opportunity. But you've just got to keep plugging away. And I think Turnbull appreciates that because there was a time where his career was potentially over when he was supposed to sign the first time around and he had the the serious operation that he had to go and do. And if you watch the documentary on him, mm-hmm. he just seems like a, a decent lad and he's appreciative of the fact that he's still got a career in football. Yeah. So I don't think it will overly frustrate him. And from anybody that I've heard that's been and went and got like stuff signed after games or been at Lennox Town or whatever, they always say he's someone who makes a lot of time for the fans and he appreciates the position that he's in. So... I think he, he he would love to play more football, I'm sure. But when you look at the squad and around you, you've got to be the best that you can be and take your opportunities when you're given them. And Ange could have took him off on Saturday, but he stuck with him and he was rewarded for it. The, the thing, again, that I, w- that I would uh, pinpoint in relation to this is how quickly things can change. Uh, the, the scenario that we're in at the moment, right, there's a tatty pulled up. Don't know how serious it is. Hopefully not very. Um, but also Moy, injured, back back mm-hmm. complaint. Uh, uh, O'Reilly questionably not playing his best football at the moment. Then you get an opportunity. You know, yeah, we've gone into international break, so the timing's maybe not great for David Turnbull, but he should be looking at that and thinking, well, you know what? There could be an opportunity. When you get it, the key thing is with Angie's team is you've got to grasp it because within a week or two, whoever it is that you're keeping out's back, chapping at the door to get back in the team, Colin. So I think he's in the same boat as many others, actually, at Celtic. And it's all about maintaining that level uh, of intensity in terms of when you come in, you've got to make an impact. Haksabanovic gets a start, doesn't make an impact, drops to the bench, comes on at the weekend, makes an impact. So it's, it's a bit topsy-turvy at the moment. And I hope that he does stay because I think the quality is there. But I'm going to give a big shout-out to you and boy Martin, um, who appears regularly on the comments section. At the end of last season, um, you and myself and Big Lawrence did the, the game where we clinched the league against mm-hmm. the Hearts, it was, right? Yeah. And... Uh, Ewan came out after it because obviously you're very, you're up, it's positive, you've won the league. And we're just kind of looking ahead to the you know, summer months. And, he, and Ewan spoke about the fact that he didn't think Turnbull fitted Angie's system. Yeah. At the time, he got he got pelters for saying that, Colin. But I think this season we have seen what where he was coming from in that respect. I don't want to lose David Turnbull. I think he's a quality player. And the more quality players we've got in the squad, the better. He does have that Scottish um, aspect as well with, with regards to the registered players in Europe. But let's just see what uh, the rest of the season brings because who yeah, knows I mean, who's going to have a drop in form or an injury. Exactly. And when you look at the amount of games that we've got to play a season, you have got to have that, that depth in the squad because you can be in a position that we're in just now where 
two of the three starters you would normally say are carrying injuries or they're out at the moment. So you do need players, and I think that's a benefit of us having the ability to bring five players on. So, as we said there, Turnbull, number seven on the list of the most appearances under Ange. He might not be starting the games, but he's getting 15, 20, maybe even more minutes Mm. per game. So when we do pick up an injury like Moy or Hitati, they can come in and it doesn't drop the the standard to the levels that previously it may have done if these guys were coming in cold. Um, Yeah, don't get me wrong. There was definitely periods on Saturday where you're going, yeah, if Hitati was here or if Moy was here, things would be slightly different. But it was just one of those games. It was one of those sort of gritty games where um, you're just looking for that bit of magic to sort of split the, the teams. And Haxabanovich's goal at the end is exactly what needed to be done to sort of break down a stubborn defence. Um, even O's header, I mean, that's a phenomenal header. Mm. And it's stuff like that that's going to make the difference in these games. And the, the, Turnbull can do it. We've seen it. We've not seen it so often this season. But then again, there was people writing off Callum McGregor during the closed door, uh, behind closed door season, and look how far he's come. Players can have bad spells, but the quality will always come through. No, I agree with that. Colin, you've not had an opportunity since you were last on, Axon, to talk about uh, your wee chinwag that you had with Scott Brown last week. Yeah, that was that was a, a good laugh. Um, Scott was he was uh, really welcoming. Um, you got a mate from Scott, and it almost sounded like it was coming from Andrew, as if he's kind of adopting that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was he was really open, he was honest. Some of the stuff he came away with was, was brilliant, um, especially when he was saying that he, he very much enjoyed scoring that goal for Aberdeen at Ibrooks that was uh, influential in us winning the title last season. He says that was a big moment for him. Um, but one of the key takeaways I took from it was he mentioned that he could have stayed and signed a two-year deal at Celtic, but he knew that his time was up and that he couldn't contribute as much as what was needed going forward for this team. Yeah, And that takes a lot from a player because it would be so easy for someone when there's a two-year deal on the table to just go, you know what, yeah, I'll take that and you'll be financially stable for the next two years because you're getting the same wages and whatever it may be. But he looked at the fresh opportunity um, to go up to Aberdeen and even then he knew when his time was up. And that takes a a special kind of person that's got the ability to hold their hands up and say, yeah, and jump before they're pushed. And the respect he's got for the fans uh, was one of the things he said. I I asked him um, what made Celtic different from every other club and was it one of the reasons that he stayed Mm -hmm. so long? Um, and his response was basically saying the fans and how they took to him so well, and also the fact that the he came with a bit of a, a checkered past, and the trust and the respect that he was given from the fans and from the the whole club, it was just on another level. And during the bad times that he had, obviously personally, everybody was there for him, and it just shows how special this club really is. Definitely. And the checkered past, do you mean that time he had the Mohican? With a wee red tints in it. <laughs> That's the one thing that springs to my mind. Um, by the way, right, before we go on, to, I want to talk about the three goal scorers for different reasons, Jota, O and Haxabanovic. I've got a big shout out to the Green Brigade for their banner, um, which read, Refugees Welcome, Stop the Tories. Now, they get a lot of criticism 
the Green Brigade, right? Um, but you know what I think it comes from sometimes is something as simple as the banner and the wording of the banner. And I think they've got the wording of the banner absolutely spot on. Now, by the way, don't get me wrong. The word that starts with F and rhymes with clock doesn't offend me, right? It doesn't offend me. I'm not easily offended. But stop the Tories. That one different, that different word, I think, that distinction is so, so important, right? Because you could say F this, F that, F him, right? And it's almost as if you're dismissing them. Just just F them out the road. Stop them. There's a real distinction there, Colin. Stop what they're doing uh, in relation to the refugee policy that they that they have in their mind and they think that it's a good idea. But just stop them in general and everything that they're doing to the working classes in this country. And I think that distinction, that one word, speaks absolute volumes. And I applaud the Green Brigade for that banner at the weekend. What was your thoughts? Um I have to say, from my viewpoint, I could only see the refugees welcome and then the Tories. And for me, I, I thought it was the, the, the F word, to be perfectly honest. Um, it wasn't until after that, that I'd seen that it meant stop the Tories. Um, and you've got to remember, we are a club that's built on refugees. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the, the immigrants from Ireland that came over to find to found the club. Um We've got players from all walks of life and everywhere that's came over and played for us. First team to have a, a black player in Scotland, first pl- team to have a, a player that didn't wear boots, all, all that sort of things. We've never Mohammed Salim, Correct. Indian, yes. We, we've never discriminated. And the thing is, stop the Tories. It's a, a call to action. Yeah. It's not a, as you say, F the Tories. Aye. Let's not ignore them. Let's not ignore no. them. Let's stop them. Aye. It's a call mm-hmm. to action that this has to be stopped. And it does, without getting too political, The what the Tories are trying to do just now dehumanises people and no one should ever be dehumanised. Everybody is a human being and they have the, the right to basic human rights. And this is, as it's been mentioned lawfully, is against human rights. So they must be stopped in what they're trying to do. They do. Uh, so a big shout out to the Green Brigade. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, just over the weekend, um, Kneecap popped up in my Twitter stream. Now, Kneecap's a band that you introduced me to yep. because you, get, correct me if I'm wrong, you interviewed their manager, am I yes. right? And yes, that must have been two years ago. Yeah, roughly two years ago. Um, the manager is the Bohemian's... Uh, Chief Operating Officer Daniel Lambert, um, another club that does brilliant and again drives the refugees welcome um, mantra. Uh, They are the the sort of political rap group of Ireland Mm -hmm. using the the national Irish tongue to uh, stand up for what they believe in and definitely go and check them out. Did you, did you see the, the video clip I'm talking I, I about? Didn't, I've not had the chance to catch up much right, since right. Ca- right, catch up with this, right. It was on Joe, so you'll, you'll know where to find it. Yeah. Um, anybody in the comment section who hasn't seen it, seek it out. It is absolutely superb, and you can thank us later for that one. Um, we mentioned Big O. I want to start off with, with the Big O, right? The fact that he scores that goal, even though he's got a Hibs player hanging off the, the back of him, right? People have said that it's very similar uh, to a Chris Sutton goal against Juventus some yep. some time ago as well. Um, 
I'm not comparing the players. What I'm doing though is at the weekend I was looking at the big fella, and there's something about him. I just I like the way he approaches the game, Colin. I think there's a self-belief, there's an inbuilt belief that I'm going to score a goal, I'm going to do this, and you know, taking the top off and getting the booking and no bothering and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'll tell you what, when he scored that goal, there was a real sense of relief. What's been your thoughts on the cameo appearances that we've had from uh, O so far? It's encouraging. Obviously, he's still a young a young guy. Um, so he's, he's got a lot of development still to do as well. And I'm sure at the... Um, at the, the training that he's doing with the likes of Ange and Harry Kuehl and guys like that, they'll get the best out of him. Um, it's his determination to succeed. And I can't remember who mentioned it before, but they were talking about how he basically signed up into his national service early so that he could concentrate on his footballing career. And that is an encouraging thing because it, it shows you that he believes in himself. And you see it when he comes on the park, he's desperate to get involved doesn't mean if he's got to drop deep to sort of link up the play. And his positioning, I'm sure, is something that Celtic will work on because when he's playing as the, the main target centre-forward, you want him more in and around the box, whereas he likes to come in and link up the play and sort of drop a bit deeper. And you've seen him, he won the free kick um, a couple of weeks ago on the edge of the box. He's, he's, his basic play seems very good. Um, and I'm sure he's someone that once he gets a couple of goals, he'll kind of get into him. I mean, people have slow starts at clubs. We saw what Giacomacchus was like before he got his first couple of goals and then he got himself running. I think now that O's got that goal, you could see how much it meant to him. And it's great to see. I want to see a striker who's hungry to score goals like that because it's encouraging. Too many times I've seen sort of players where they score a goal and it doesn't mean anything to them. They're just like, yeah, it's another one. But for all, it's almost as if every goal means that bit more to him. Yeah, I love that emotion. I really do. Um, and I said at the weekend, some people might think there's an arrogance about him. I don't mind that. I didn't mind that about Yakimakis either, to be no. honest with you. I really didn't. Um, Jota, another discussion point is the fact, I think, that uh, it's substance over style these last few weeks with Jota. Yeah, the flicks are still there. Um, he likes to shimmy the hips and all that. Um and all that kind of stuff when he's taking on players or, or ghosting players and all this, Colin. But there's more substance to his game at the moment, I feel. And I think that he realises that, you know, in that scenario, sometimes it's all about digging deep. He's done it against mm-hmm. St Mirren. Um, he's done it against he's done it against uh, Hibs. And it's the celebration, again, I think speaks volumes. Um, yeah. Have you been impressed with, with Jota, even though we're maybe not seeing the flair that we know that he's got? I, I think he's one of those players that, um, sometimes you see wingers who maybe struggle to get past a man one or two times and then they don't try it again. He keeps going and keeps going and keeps going until he gets it. Um, and you could see what that goal meant to him at the weekend and how much he wanted to drive the team forward. Grabs the ball, runs up. He's encouraging the fans to get louder. Um, he's really another one who I think is totally bought into Celtic Football Club. Um, and yeah, look, wingers, they are inconsistent. We mentioned it a bit, a bit a bad earlier on, but as you say, we're now getting the goals, we're getting the assists. He might not have that best game, but he's still contributing to the side. Yeah, I've been really impressed with him. Um, it's almost like a rolling up the sleeves kind of attitude yeah. that he's had in the last few weeks. And of course, Aksabanovic, who we have mentioned, you know, he has shown some flashes of absolute brilliance, Colin, and mm-hmm. I spoke about, you know, him breaking into 
professional football as something of a prodigy, prodigious talent, making his debut some ridiculous like 15 or 16, gets his big move to West Ham, doesn't work out. Um, and we've seen in flashes the brilliance of this guy, but do you get the sense there's more that he can offer? Absolutely. I think he's one that if we give him a bit more time, um, I think he's, I mean, he got one start and then he was back off again. So um, I'd like to see him given a bit more time. Obviously, Ange trusts Maeda a lot. Um, and it's understandable why, because you, you see the pace and stuff he offers. But in terms of overall wide play, I do think Haksimanovic has got more ability in that sense. And I'd like to see him given more opportunities. I think Abada, as an impact player, would be really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it's a blow to lose somebody like Katati, and, and I think that any team would miss him. But along with Moy and Taylor, they're injury doubts but again the timing seems to have come at a right good time for Celtic because we've just moved into this international break but there's three players I think you you miss all three of them massively if they're not in the team and we saw that with Moy's absence at the weekend didn't we? Yeah definitely I mean as we were talking about the other week he's that sort of influential influential sorry enforcer in there and he makes everybody around him even better and uh, I hope it's not too long that he's out for because he is someone who really drives that midfield. Yep. Now, Colin is nipping away uh, as soon as we finish the bullet. And I've got to thank everybody for getting involved. 850 strong on a live stream on a Monday afternoon to talk all things Celtic. We'll be back again tomorrow at the same time. If you want to help us out, we ask you to give us a big thumbs up on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. We'll be giving away this jersey this week. It's a one-off. It's a concept jersey and it's vintage. So thank you, everybody, for getting involved. And once again, Colin Watt, thanks for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Take care. Network.